Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful day to be in church. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Grovetown Campus and all those watching online. If you've been around the creek very long, you know that I like to start with something funny. You know, we had uh, baby dedications in all three campuses today, and I'm excited about that. But it reminds me of a little girl that went to her mom and said, Mom, can you, um, can you tell me where we came from? And so her mother explains, says, yeah, we came uh, from Adam and Eve. God created the earth and put Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and we're descendants of Adam, Adam and Eve. And then uh, she went to her dad and said, Dad, can you tell, us where, tell me where we came from? And he says, well... We evolved from monkeys and, uh, eventually, and then she was so confused, she went back to her mom. She said, Mom, you said that we came from Adam and Eve. Dad said we came from monkeys. Who's right? He said, she said, oh, baby, he was just talking about his side, the family. <laughs> well, today we're continuing our series called Everyone's Welcome, Nobody's Perfect, and Anything's Possible. The series is really about the heart of Stevens Creek. When I think about Stevens Creek Church and just the, what I've seen develop over the years, it's been an amazing story. It's been a story that really says anything is possible. Because when I look across our congregation, I see so many people whose lives have been changed by just the very fact that they have been forgiven. They've been given new hope and a new life. We've seen the miracle of salvation. We've seen the Spirit change so many people. We have seen people who are sick get well. We've seen people who've had marriages that were broken to be healed. We've seen people who were addicted to substances be set free. Over and over, we've seen the miraculous take place. And so when we think about miracles, you know, we are coming, so many of us are coming from a place where, yes, we've seen it, and then another group of us are saying, well, I just don't know about that. I think maybe those miracles kind of passed away uh, back in a previous generation or so. You know, Newsweek did a story on this some time ago, and they determined that 84% of Americans believe um, that God performs miracles, and half of those, 48%, would say that, that they have been witnesses of that or they've had a miracle take place in their lives. Even 43% of non-believers say that they have asked God to intervene in their situation. And so miracles, where do you fit in? Do you believe that miracles happen? Do you believe that miracles can actually maybe have happened in your life or maybe uh, will happen in your life? When we think about miracles and you open up the pages of the Bible, you'll see that um, Relatively, the miracles in the Bible took place around three different times. They took place between uh, the times of Moses and Joshua. We see a lot of miracles take place, the parting of the Red Sea and so forth. We see miracles take place during the times of Elijah and Elisha. And then we see miracles take place specifically in the times of uh, Christ and the apostles. 
And if you read on through the scriptures, you'll see that leading up to the second return of Jesus Christ, you will see a releasing of miracles, that God will begin showing his mighty power uh, to the nations, and that will be one of the signs that Jesus is coming again. I'll tell you, when I was growing up, we talked about the second coming of Jesus a lot, and uh, we talked about the signs of his coming. And in those days, we would, we would look at these signs and say, man, I can see this happening, and we wanted to believe, but it was nothing like it is today. I'm telling you, we talked about uh, the gospel being preached all over the world, and we thought, well, maybe God will use radio, or maybe God will use television. But I'll tell you, we never dreamed that you would have a device that you could stream like it is. I mean, just the signs of the times are everywhere, and one of those signs is that God's power, the Holy Spirit, would be released and that miracles would take place. Now, God performs miracles for three reasons. First of all, to display his power. I mean, if you, if you have never had a problem in your life, how would you know that God could solve it? If you've never been sick, how would you not know that God could heal if you've never had a need, how would you know that God could not meet that need? So God places us in situations and circumstances to display his power in our lives. I think God also performs miracles just to help people. He wants to help you. Some of you are in desperate situations. And I believe that God's spirit is present to bring you strength and to bring you encouragement and simply just to help you out, to help you get through this season you're in. I think the third thing that God performs miracles to expand his influence in the community. I'll tell you, you let something unexplainable happen and people lean in. They want to hear about that. They, they want to see that for themselves. And so God uses miracles as his great power just to create opportunities for us to have conversations and really to expand his influence in, in the community. Because when it all boils down to it, God wants us to see that, that he is bigger than we think. In fact, that's the point today, the big idea, that God's bigger than your situation. Hear me again. God is bigger than your situation and I believe that anything is possible when you put your faith in God. All of us have been in difficult situations. All of us have been in desperate situations in time. And it's during these times that we call on the name of the Lord and he comes and brings help in time of need. Today, I want you to lean in and listen to Daniel and, and Cassidy Harris's story and be encouraged by their words. My name is Daniel. And I'm Cassidy, and this is our story. We've been married for almost 10 years now, and when we first got married, we kind of had it all planned out. Two to three kids by the time I was 35. And so shortly in our marriage, we started trying to have children, and what didn't come as easy as I thought it would. And so about a year into trying, we decided to seek the help of a fertility doctor. And 
we did multiple tests, we did IUIs, we did in vitro, and each time it came back unsuccessful. I was uh, sitting in my boss's office one day and we were just kind of, I was kind of venting on what was going on and, and she just mentioned to me, she said, Daniel, you know, there's plenty of babies in the world that need loving and, you know, is an adoption, is that something y'all are interested in? And he came home, it might not have been that day, but he did bring it up to me and he said, Cassidy, have you ever thought about adoption? At that point in time, I was so closed off to it. I didn't think anything else about it. But um, like I said, after our first round of in vitro and the miscarriage, and the doctor just could not give any answers. He said, you're healthy. Your body should be taken to this, but it's just not. And we were actually approaching 21 days of prayer. And so I had made it a commitment during those 21 days to just fully surrender to God. And honestly, it was at that moment in this church he stopped me and he so clearly said to me, Cassidy, you're going to be a mom, but I'm calling you to adoption. And so we fully surrendered again. And I said, Lord, I know there are going to be many birth moms that are going to come before us. But if it is not for us, you have got to close the door. Don't let it go any further. And so it was around September. So it wasn't much longer after July. Um, that we got a call and it was a birth mom that had gone through the adoption process three times already. So we prayed about it. Uh, we waited a few days before we said yes, but this was what we felt God had called us to. Something that we had prayed so hard for was to be able to be present during the delivery and we didn't know how it was gonna work out. But God, once again, through his goodness and his faithfulness, just broke down barriers. It was so special to be able to be there and be present um, during that moment. After that, you know, we, we enjoyed Kinsey growing up for a little bit, and then we started talking about, you know, what's the next step to expand the family. And, um... and we questioned, you know, why do you keep placing this on our hearts to, to be parents to a biological child? We already have this beautiful blessing in front of us, and we are content with her. But Lord, why do you keep putting this on our hearts? If we're going to go back time and time again and just have failure after failure. We tried IVF again for a second time and it resulted in a miscarriage just like the first. And so we sought out a second opinion and we ended up going to Columbia, South Carolina. And before we ever started that process, I looked at him and said, nothing's worked up until this point. Before we start this, we've got to surrender this to God once again. Mm -hmm. And we did, we prayed before we went to the first appointment, praying for answers, praying for results, just clarification as to what's going on. And the doctor gave us answers. He said, this is what I need you to do. This is how we're gonna treat this moving forward. He came up with a specific care plan and we prayed about it before we dove back into doing IVF again. The night before, we wrote down every fear on a piece of paper. And I told Daniel, I said, you've got to light a fire because I've got to let all of these fears go because if God's really going to be in control, I can't have this with me. And until I really give this over and just completely let go of every fear, God can't do his best work. God is still in the miracle business. He was working miracles with us, through us, for us, throughout our eight-year journey to become parents to two beautiful children. And there was one verse that throughout every season with the adoption, with IVF, with everything that led up to this point, there was one verse that I would always cling to. And it is Isaiah 60, 22. When the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And I say all of this to say that you have to invite God to be a part of your plan, your life, and your story. Because without Him, it really isn't possible.
What a beautiful story. We're actually dedicating that baby uh, in our next service. God is bigger than your situation. And some of you see that story and you put yourself in that story. But others of you see the situation that you're facing. It's totally different than, uh, than Daniel and Cassidy's situation. But yet you feel this, this pressure and, and you feel this problem. And it's my goal today is just for you to think new thoughts and to realize that God is so much bigger than the situation that you're dealing with. He is so much bigger than the problem that you're wrestling with. And I want you to think about this, that if, if God is bigger and if anything is possible, why not? I just want to encourage you. God loves you right where you are, and he understands what you're dealing with. And there are other people in this auditorium, in our auditorium at South Campus, in our auditorium at Grovetown, that are going through similar things that you. In fact, there are people here that have had miracles take place in their lives. So let's just do a, a show of hands. How many of you in this auditorium, in our Grovetown auditorium, and our South Campus would say, yes, I've been a personal recipient of a miracle from God? Let me see your hands. Amen. All over this place, all over South Campus and Grovetown. I just know it. You've seen God do something unexplainable. I mean, you know, you, you look back and you think back and you say, how did that happen? How did that door open? Or why did that door close? Or, or that, that letter came at the right time? Or, or maybe that phone call or that, that situation changed. And, and you step back and there's just no explainable way except God, that God made the way, that God pushed the door open, that, that God uh, showed up at the right time. Over the next few minutes, I want to focus on uh, in the book, uh, story in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, the story about Peter and John. This has taken place Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 2, we see the power of the Holy Spirit was released in Jerusalem and around the world. And that Peter stood up that day and preached and uh, thousands of people came to faith. Well, this is right after that. We go to the next chapter, chapter 3 of the book of Acts. Here, Peter and John, is going to the temp they're going to the temple to pray because it was their custom to go to the temple every day at 3 p.m. and that they would pray at that point. As they're going to the temple... They noticed someone out there begging for alms, asking for money. Now, this guy was in front of the temple, and he was lame. He could not walk. And so every day, his family or friends would bring him to a place right out in front of the temple. He would hold out his cup, and he would ask for people to give him some money. I would imagine that as he's doing that, he's probably shaking that little cup just to make that little noise to catch somebody's attention, not only with their eyes, but with their ears. And so Peter and John are headed there, and he starts shaking, and he starts shaking. And Peter looks at him and responds to him and said, hey, I don't have any money. I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ the Nazarene, rise up and walk. 
Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, and he helped him up. And as he did this, the man's feet and ankles were healed, and they were strengthened. He jumped up. He stood to his feet, and he began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. They saw him walking and leaping and praising God, and they're thinking, wait a minute, is this that guy? Is this that guy that, that I've walked by uh, week after week or month after month? What happened to him? He was a recipient of a prayer. He was a recipient of the most powerful word and the powerful name in your vocabulary, the name of Jesus. I am sure he's thinking like, man, I never dreamed this was possible. I thought my life was always going to be like this, that I was going to be perched right here in front of the temple asking people, just give me a couple of dollars here. But his life was radically changed by the power of the name of Jesus radically change. Some of you are, are facing a crisis today. Maybe it's in your own life. Maybe it's in your own health. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your career. And I just want you to put your trust in Christ. Just like Cassidy said in the video today, I surrendered this to the Lord. I want you to come to the place where that problem, that challenge, that crisis, that you will come and you will surrender this to the Lord, that you will give it over to him and allow him to move in your life. Hear the words of Peter and John. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Get up and walk. Let the power of God move in your life. It's time for you to be free. It's time for you to break the bondages that are holding you back. It's time for you to move forward. When I think about those, those chains that are holding you back this past week, my dad's, uh, we were told on Wednesday this week that my dad's in the closing moments of his life. In fact, they said, bring uh, the family in. And so Patty and I were with him on on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and and it was uh, he had declined, and it was it was a tough tough thing to be there, and he was just crying out. He's crying out for my mom who passed away last April. He's crying out for his mama, you know, and uh, it was just one of those. Things. But he kept on saying, uh, "I've got chains on me. Can you take the chains off of me? Take the chains off." I kept on saying, "Dad, there's no chains on you." That it's just the oxygen uh, line that's, that's helping you breathe. He said, no, move the chains. Move the chains. And I, I think about that. How many people are living with chains and they feel like those chains are holding them back? And in his case, they were not there. But in his mind, they were there. And in the same um, case, there are so many people I meet that in your mind, in your experience, there are things that are holding you back, that are changing you back, but they're really not there because you have a power that is greater than yourself. You have the power of Jesus working on your behalf. Amen. So many times we get stuck in the crisis. We get stuck in the problem. 
and we can't see our way, way out of that. We get stuck in the ordinary when God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. But some of you can't receive that because you've convinced yourself that there's nothing more than what you already have. But I want you to hear this. God has more for you. God has more for you. Don't settle for the possible when God wants to do the impossible in your life. So many times we just settle. We settle for what we've always known and what we've always done and how it's always going to be. We're going to do the possible. But I'm telling you, I want you to continue to do what you can do to do the possible. But there comes a point when the name of Jesus and his power is released in you and it gives you new life and a new hope and a new joy and a new song. I'll tell you, one of my favorite scriptures comes from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And it says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine according to the power that works in you. God is able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than you can even ask. In other words, when you ask God for something, God is going to answer that, but he's going to do it in ways that you never thought possible. He is going to exceed your expectation. That lame man that day was just asking for some alms, just asking for some money, but what he received was so much bigger and so much better than he ever thought he could have. He was asking for money, and, and Jesus gave him Strength to walk again. Gave him help. I believe when we surrender our lives to him, God will move and God will bring help to us in our time of need. But there comes a point where we have to surrender. And here's the, here's the actual point. When you surrender the leadership of your life to the Lord, you're placing yourself in a position of favor. You're placing yourself in a position of his favor, his blessing in your life. In the early 1980s, Patty and I started dating, and we were dating two weeks. We were two weeks into this relationship when we found out that Patty had uh, contracted hepatitis, and she was very, very sick. So sick that she had to leave college in Tennessee and move back home to Louisiana. And I'll tell you, during that time, um, I knew that we had been dating two weeks, okay? But I knew that she was the one. Folks, guys, some of you are slow. <laughs> when you know somebody's the one, you need to move. Hear that. You need to move. Um, now, I don't know if you need to move as fast as Patty and I did, but, but I, we moved, okay? But here's what we moved. We moved I moved to my knees in prayer, and two weeks after uh, we started dating, I went on a 28-day fast, and I committed myself to pray two hours a day uh, from 12 to 2 every day in between classes and just to seek the Lord. Well, during this, she is gone. She's uh, in uh, Louisiana with her family. 
well, I heard about this Pentecostal revival taking place down the street from the school. And so I showed up one night, and I sat there. I'm a 20-year-old, you know, um, experiencing this. And as he preached, he preached from the book of Acts, chapter 19. In fact, here's what uh, the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 11 says. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons had touched him, were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and their evil spirits left them. I mean, I was so desperate. I got up in line, and I, I waited in that, that line, and they took a piece of cloth. I said, I am praying not, not for me, but I am praying uh, from my friend Patty, and they anointed a piece of cloth, and we prayed, and I sent that to her, and I'm telling you, she was healed. And a week later, she went to the doctor, and they said, well, um, you're, you're better, but uh, you, you can't go back to school. They didn't believe her. She said, I, I'm healed. I can go back. But they didn't believe her, and so they had made her wait another week before she was back at school. It's the power. And you look back at your life, and you see moments of a breakthrough that take place. And you look at the time of that breakthrough. I think that God allowed me to see that, to understand when I read the Bible that this is more than a history lesson. But the Bible is alive, and, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God moved in the book of Acts, he can do the same thing today. I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 77. It says, you're the God who performs miracles, and you display your power among the people. That God is a miracle-working God. Patty and I didn't earn that or didn't deserve it. It was God's grace. We just followed the Scripture, and we just did what the Scripture did. And God moved in our lives. To complete the, the story, uh, by August of that year, we were married. And so six months, it was golden. Never looked back. So many times, people find themselves in a sickness or a disease or in a problem. And if that's where you are today, or you're in a crisis, just know that God is here to help. In James chapter 5, it says... Is anyone among you in trouble? How about that? Are you in trouble today? I mean, a lot of times when we get in trouble, and if you really dive down into the trouble that we're in, the mess we're in, it's because we made a, a bad decision. And that we created this chaos that we're living through. It's because of a, a, a bad decision that we make. Now we're living through that. And so the Bible is saying, hey, anybody here at church in trouble? How about it, Grovetown? How about it, South Campus? Anybody in church today, are you in trouble? Let's read the rest of the verse. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. And we're going to pray in a few minutes. We're going to pray for those of you who are in trouble today. What else does it say? Is anybody happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anybody at the church today sick? 
Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. That's interesting, isn't it? The Lord will raise them up. Very similar to Acts chapter 3. Peter said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Here he's saying, the Lord will raise him up. Rise up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You look at this passage of Scripture in James, you see three different types of prayer. First of all, it says you need, to, you need to pray for yourself. Anybody in trouble? It's time to pray. It's time to pray. You know, some people say, yeah, yeah, those people who only pray when they get in trouble. Well, that's what the Bible says. If you're in trouble, pray. So secondly, he said we're to call on the elders of the church when we're really sick, and they will anoint with oil. And then in verse 16, it says we're to pray for each other. Confess your sins one to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Over the next few minutes, we're going to do that. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for those people that are in trouble. We're going to pray for those people that are sick. In fact, we're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to anoint you with oil. And very simply, what does that mean? I'm going to take some oil. I'm going to rub it on your hand. I'm going to put my hand on your hand. And in agreement, we're going to ask God to touch you. Okay? That's what we're going to do. And we're going to believe that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the third thing that we're going to do is that we're going to take this cloth. And we have this cloth. And this is reminiscent of the cloth that I carried when I was 20 years old down to the front of that church. And it actually has that verse that I read to you, Acts chapter 19, 11, and 12, on that. And we're going to do just simply what this verse says. If you're in Grovetown, uh, we're going to do this. If you're in South Campus, we're going to do this. And, and we're going to anoint this for someone who is not here. Okay? Patty was not there at church that night. But we're going to anoint this, and we're going to believe that God is going to release his power. When you come forward and you, you pray for someone else and you're anointed, uh, in the, back in the day we called it you pray in proxy. You stand in proxy for someone. I don't, know, I don't know what you call it today, but that's what it is. You stand in proxy, we pray over, and we believe that God is going to release his power in that person's life. And I am praying for you, and as I am praying for you, I envision touching your friend or touching your loved one or, or laying hands on that. And so that's what we're going to do. So over the next few minutes, I'm going to ask for those that would like to come forward, you can do that. But before that, I want all of us to stand. South Campus stand, Grovetown stand, and I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over you. And then, um, and then the team will sing a song as the song is being sung you can come forward for prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. 
I pray for those who are in trouble. God, I ask that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. I pray, God, for those that people that feel like they're held back. There's a glass ceiling or maybe they feel like they've been chained up. God, I ask that you'd break the chains. God, I ask that you would let them go free. God, I pray for those that have uh, never given their lives to, to Jesus, that this would be the day that, to say, that they would pray the simple prayer, Jesus, save me, forgive me, make me in the kind of person you'd have me to be. A simple prayer like that. So come, Holy Spirit, rest on us. God, let the faith rise up in this service. And God, let this truly be a house of miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.